Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersina from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. We're almost through June, and it seems like, yes, we had that summer solstice that hit us. So we are now in the midst of summer. And with it comes the storms, comes with it comes the thunder. Last night, out and about on uh, some jobs, yes, the sky just rolled in. It let loose, the thunder. And it's amazing when you look at the clouds, how ominous they may look. But there's also a beauty in it, in their character, in their structure, in their shape. You're kind of mesmerized by it. But I must say, made driving a little bit harder, the flooded streets, some videos that were uh, on, on some friends' sites showed it that the streets filled up with water. And again, our gardens were given an abundant drink of water. Maybe a little bit too much water this season. But it brings to thought a change in the poem for today is now the water garden. Across a sweeping meadow, neath skies of brilliant blue, a water garden waited with ponds now hid from view. We started down a pathway of grass, quite neatly neatly mown, discovering pretty wildflowers that through these fields had grown, observing varied species of flowers short and tall. We stopped to look them over, enjoying one and all. Then on we walked together, our tiny group of three, until we came to the water, the first of ponds we'd see. This pond contained a boulder, imposing to the sight, and pretty hawk-eyed flowers on the pathway to the right. Upon the water's surface, pond lilies could be seen with yellow cupped shaped flowers above their leaves of green. Delighting in the songbirds, each with distinctive call, our walk continued onward to ponds, both large and small. We saw some red-winged blackbirds, both close and far away, the red of each one's shoulders on a beautiful display. Large bullfrogs croaked and grunted while dragonflies zipped by. As on a path we sauntered beneath the bright blue sky. Cascading sparkling waters in certain ponds were seen, while other ponds, though larger, were quiet and serene. Contentment filled our beings, and time did quickly pass, as we observed this beauty amidst trees and waving grass. We crossed over bridges, and on gravel we made our way, then wandered through the meadow this lovely summer day. The breezes soft and gentle, the warmth of sun above, enhanced this peaceful garden, and spoke of his great love. Surrounded by his treasures of cattails, grass, and trees, of fish in water swimming, of flowers, and the buzzing bees, of clear water sparkling, reflecting blue sky, we knew beyond a question that he was standing by. The sun is shining right now, but 
We may get some more rain in a little bit. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. And that was a cracker of water that we had sort of dropped on us last night. I don't know if you got as much as we did, but watching this roll in. And it kind of inspired me about, yes, water. I know we've been having a lot of it. But in some aspects, yeah, we like water because some of us, yeah, like to do water gardening. That is part of gardening too as well. And if you look at the calibration or caliper of plants that you can put into the water gardening aspects of it, they're pretty cool. I have to admit, it's not my forte. I'm not in it. I love bringing in the plants for those who love to do water gardening. But it's, it's kind of amazing to see the plants that grow at different stages and different depths of the water. So, yes, our water lilies, beautiful, cascading. They sort of do this ripple dance across the top of the water when they're in bloom. It kind of reminds me of a trip that I took one time uh, overseas, and I was um, had the most wonderful tour of a garden where they had actually water lotus pods on a garden, and they actually had stepstones through the middle of this water path, with these beautiful, I'm talking water lotus pads that were probably 28 to 30 inches wide. It was surreal. It was almost like, okay, I know I'm stepping on the step stones through the water, but what would happen if I stepped on the other ones? I didn't do it. But the the envision of seeing that aspect of them all the way across the pond was mesmerizing. And ponds can be mesmerizing too water fountains or uh, little fountains. We just got one of our fountains going with the water uh, coming and cascading out of it. There is a sound of water that is soothing that is in the garden, whether you do a small fountain or a larger fountain. Think of it in scale and think of the plants that you can sometimes put around them. Yes, irises, cannas, Marsh marigold, of course we know marsh marigold. Yep, if it's, it says marsh in front of its name, you know that it has to love the water. Now, placing some of these water plants, you can place them either in different stages. And for newbie gardeners, the tags that you look on a lot of these plants will tell you the depth level, whether it's level one or level five, as to how submerged they can be in the water. So if you're looking for something that is lightly around the outside edges of your pond to give shade to help prevent the UVs from activating that bloom that's on some of the water, that's perfect. So look for some cannas that might be in there. It's going to give you some drama that's going to go through. And some of you right now might be saying, a canna? Don't cannas go into the gardens. Don't cannas grow in pots that we use as accents that's in there. But cannas, when grown and made to grow in a more moister site, will survive and will grow waterside that's on it. So who knew, right? Creeping Jenny, one of the best little planters that I love using for in hanging baskets and containers, is a water plant as well. It does really good in wet conditions. And if you don't know what Creeping Jenny is, it's in the Lysimachia family. It creeps along the front of the border. It creates that garden mat that's on it. And when you're creating garden mats like this, they may even actually help to prevent weed seed from getting to the soil where it will germinate. But now 
in the olden days, I'm going to say the olden days, Lysimachia used to be just solid green, whereas now it has the hints of chartreuse yellow tones. So you get that strong cart contrast color tone that's on it. So is water too much for us? Maybe not. Maybe we take water as an advantage. We know that we need water for sustainability. And it also gives me a chuckle because our ponds are our reservoirs for helping us for our cattle, our, our, you know, our animals. And it also gives me a little chuckle because in, in here we had our pond years ago. I decided to do a little stock fishing and threw some stock in there. But I think all I did was help to feed the little characters swimming in there and the seagulls that came in quickly. But it was shared and enjoyed by all. Just put some thoughts to that. You're listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. It looks a little sunny out there right now. It's letting us get into our gardens a bit. Or maybe we're going to listen and uh, call in with some questions. The lines are open. The number is 1-800-374-3315 if you want to give me a call. We could talk about gardening. I think sometimes we could talk about gardening all day. It's about when you get your friends together and you start talking about your garden or your experiences that's in there or maybe just what's happening what's in bloom and maybe what's not doing well enough that we need a little bit of extra advice that's what call a friend is all about now water gardening we've gone into that now there are some portions of how much water is too much water yes because we are starting to see that if we have too much water in certain areas um, germination may be affected by that's on there. So if your seeds and some people have been coming in, it's, I always like to sort of get the hot topics of sort of what's been happening. Uh, if people are coming in and asking questions about it, it may be affecting a lot of people too at the same times. But we have been having some people coming in and sort of saying, my seeds aren't germinating. So there are different aspects of why your seeds may not be germinating. If you're doing a direct sow outdoors, yes, um, overwater might be a cause of it. It generally will cause the uh, seeds to rot if it doesn't come up. Excessive heat also will cause that. When you think of as excessive heat, most plants like to germinate at a little lower temperature but when we're getting into the high 90s and that even if you've watered them and let's say you've watered them and that seed is cracked and you've got your first little hydrocotyl that's going to go down into the soil if that then gets to excessive temperatures that could cause that seed to dry out with the loss of germination that's on there and also it's when we get that excessive heat in the clay soils that we have you have to think of the the residual effect of our clay soils getting very heavy in in moisture and then going in almost like it's almost like this pan clake hard pan feel that in if our gardens aren't been um, amended and lightened up you could get this hard pan crusty top that's on here and sometimes it happens even in uh, if you're allowing seeds to go really dry in a peat medium too as well. It takes a little bit longer for those seeds to germinate, to break through that crusty top. So working some of the seeds, um, checking to make sure that it doesn't have that hard pan portion of it would be beneficial. Now we know that with the excessive moisture that's in there, we could also be getting 
uh, the seedlings at a certain stage, they could be stunted or they could lose their viability because they're not getting enough oxygen in the roots that are then already emerged if they're going into it. they It's like they don't want to put their roots any deeper down because they're repeatedly getting wet. They, it's like stunting their roots so that the longevity of it is going to be a little bit affected. The metabolism of it is not going to take over because it needs that extra oxygen to keep it going so that it creates that effect of growth, respiration, and development. Okay, so there is that. And at some point too, if you sowed your seed a little bit too early, we know with some trees, some areas actually got a little bit of frost late May, early, early June. So if you had some seedlings that came up and were ready to go and ready to break through on that with their first cotyledon leaf sets, if they were affected by uh, frost, you may not even have seen them developed. Because if they came out and they got a frost, they would have gone black. They're sitting on soil. They would not have seen it. All right, those are a few little tips that are on through there. And of course, we want to make sure that, uh, you know, with dampening off, it may affect some of our stuff, but dampening off is more an effect too for people that are doing things indoors. Okay, so I heard that carrots have come up really good. Other plants have come up good, but some things are just not developing. So those are little causes for it. Don't get too upset about it. Maybe do a second crop because a lot of times we do secondary and third sowings of some of our seed. Radishes, lettuce are perfect examples. Let's go right to the line. Judy's waiting for us. Thank you, Judy, for waiting on on that. Hello, Judy. Hello. Hello. Hi. Good Um, morning. I have a question about my rose bush. It's a Winnipeg Parks rose. It has been growing in this spot for at least 10 years. In the last couple of years, <clears throat> after the first leaves come out, the first leaves look fine. But right now, this week, about half of the leaves have brown spots on them. Not a circular round spot or anything, but um, I don't know, just sort of, I don't know, spots here and there on the leaf and then they are transparent. If I hold it up to the light, you can see through those brown spots. I don't see any bugs underneath. I did find one little green worm yesterday, but that's it. Okay. So there's different things that could cause that. If you're, if, like when you see the brown spots, it almost, does it look almost like, um, like a netting, a meshing that you can see sort of all the way through? Um, I don't know what you mean by meshing. It well, reminds me of leaf miner, but they aren't in tracks like that. They're in okay. like blotches. Okay. So you could actually, that little worm that you saw, he yeah. actually could be just eating the top um, medium on the top layer of it, just kind of numb, because there's different layers of leaves, right? Okay. So he could be just munching on the top sort of, you know, Think of it as um, he's getting the butter crunched lettuce on the very top portion of it, and he's not getting the heavy veining in between. Okay. There's different types of words, word worms that could do that. And then the browning is the effect of not having the chlorophyll in the leaf structure. Because as soon as you start losing the chlorophyll, which is the outer um, 
like the green portion of the thing mm-hmm. of the leaf structure, it will either get sun scald or scorching, or and it makes it very thin. And that's so, what it looks like when I'm looking at it really closely. Yes, you can yeah. see the top layer is gone, and you're sort of left with the vein, and it's not, the backside is smooth. Yep, yep, he's just nibbling on the top portion of it. Of but I haven't there. noticed lots of worms. Are they so tiny you don't see them? You could, you, they could be small, and the thing is, most of their activity, when you see these guys, they're going to be active early, early in the morning or later in the evening. Okay. Um, instinctually, they want to be not out during the day, because that's during the heat of the day, and right. that's where... Your birds are more active, so if it's that tiny little worm, he could become a target if he's out there during the day. So, Is there um, something I can do to prevent it, say, like, say, for next spring? They only seem to attack now, and then my new leaves will come out okay. Yeah, it's, it's because it's causing a cycle, and most um, worms will create a cycle where they'll develop into something else. So if at the beginning of the cycle of where you think the timing and... Who knows what that timing is because our season has started so late. Right. But if you start to see it, you can use, um, if it is a worm, you can use a product called BTK, which is, um, it's got a great big long name, Bacillus yeah. thuringius, you know, but it's, uh, it's a spray that you can use for worms. So, but you would have to do a couple applications because it is not a systemic product. So, it's not a chemical. And it's going to get washed off with every rainfall. Yeah. And you know what? That heavy rainfall, uh, you can think of that as a blessing because if there were anything that was on your trees, uh, even tent caterpillars and that, that heavy rain washed everything sort of down to the ground last night. So in, in a blessing, yeah, the rain may be good because it's a way of cleansing and giving uh, a nice shower bath to all our greenery and our structures. Now, so, I don't have BTK, but I do have garden sulfur or I have other, you know, powders like that. Would they work? No. Uh, garden sulfur is good for your roses because it's preventative of uh, black spot, which roses are prone to. Okay. But uh, garden sulfur will not work on bugs. It works on diseases. Okay. So um, if you have any diatomaceous earth, which we use and we like to endorse because it's, again, a non-chemical uh, type product, that would be put a light dusting on it. Okay. Okay, so if they ingest, if the worm has a tendency to ingest it or crawl through it, then it's going to cause a detriment to him. Now, when you say diatomaceous earth, I've heard this so many times, is that something you put on the soil or you actually sprinkle it on the plant? You can do both. Okay. You can, it's like a powder, you can, it comes in a little squeeze bottle, you can shake it so it's a fine dust on top of uh, the leaf, or you can do it in the soil. We do it sometimes in the soil to catch other little critters that may cause damage to rooting systems or slugs, you know, crawlers on the earth, ants, Mm -hmm. we do it for ants too as well. Okay. Okay. All right, so I have to wait for the new leaves to come out now. Yeah, and you know what? There's other things that are affecting our even our roses, like um, the um, cutter bees. You know, I used to have a beautiful John Cabot climbing rose that um, Mom and Dad gave me, and it was notorious. It would just start getting going, and I would have these beautiful little circles cut out in every one of the leaves, and um, just the amazement of watching these cutter bees cut perfect circles around the outside edge and then flying off with the leaf section to use. So. 
I give you credit. It's gardeners are strong people. They put up with all the little bugs and diseases, but they have the stamina to to think about all the beauty that they do get from what they have. Well, and the deer came and ate all the tops and the buds off of this rose bush, except for three. He did leave me three. But, uh, but the other rose that's further along in the same bed doesn't seem to get affected. It's this one Winnipeg Parks that, that gets attacked each year. So I'm wondering if they're overwintering in the soil or something as well. The, the, you know what? They may be. There may be a different aspect that if it's in a slightly more protected area or if you sometimes use bark mulch or a mulch that allows them to hibernate a little bit more longer in those areas, those could be part and parcel. Yeah, you no know, mulch is here. Yeah, and, it's and part the, of the... You know, the other one's in the same bed, same exposure kind of thing, just 10 feet further along. But Yeah. Isn't it amazing? Like... When you actually think about that, I'm glad you brought that up because in a lot of instances, we see that plants, three plants the same within four feet, and one gets affected, the other two do not. Mm-hmm. What is the rationale? Like, I'm throwing my hands up going, what's the rationale in that? I totally get it. <laughs> but like, it's like, what is going on? And it's so true because that's part of the thing. It's like, I planted, I treated them all the same. Why does this one always have this effect? This it, it's just, I, I put my hands up and I go, I try to explain it, but sometimes it just doesn't work, you know? It's just that one spot. So is the BTK going to do anything now? Um, because I think the new leaves will come out okay. Like, I don't, it doesn't seem to get infected later on. Yeah, well, if you use the BTK, the BTK is a contact... Um, mixture so you would dilute it and spray it but the btk acts as a contact so literally if you have one or two little worms that are hidden underneath some leaves okay having this sh- they're enjoying the shady afternoon before they come up to the top surface to do their damage okay you literally have to spray that bug and then that it is oh. slowly absorbed into that bug bug and it may take one or two days for him to um have his demise so okay? i have to hit the bugs you Yes, nowadays there are no systemics that you are allowed to use. In the old, old, old days, there used to be a systemic that would stay yeah. in the structure of the leaf that would cause that detriment. Now, it is contact only. Okay. okay. All right. Thank you so much for your help. And I'm so happy that deer left you some roses to enjoy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be more later. I just have okay. to be patient. <laughs> Thank Very you. much. Okay. okay. Bye-bye, Bye-bye, Judy. Bye-bye. Is it amazing? Even the deer will say, I will have a few. I will enjoy those. Thank you, Judy. And we talked about water and we talked about maybe some of your plants didn't come, um, not coming up, right? And I must admit, there's still time to plant. There's still time to put crops in the garden. We see that. We want the beauty of the garden and we want the beauty of our flowers, even if it is to share a few flowers to the deer. Yep. And maybe to the grackles that are out there and the birds that love to pop off the heads of the marigolds. Yes, it's happening already. So even that, there's a purpose of why they're wanting to pop those heads off of the marigolds. And it's as simple as that you, there is a natural uh, insecticide that the birds love that they use to keep their feathers clean. So they're actually extracting some of the oils from those flowers and rubbing it all over their feathers just to keep the birds, or sorry, 
the mosquitoes away and other little bugs that may affect them. That I don't know which kind of bugs that go after birds, but they definitely probably have a little bit of something that's on them that makes them itchy. So why not use something natural like your marigolds? They know that. Now, part of the conversation with water, we're going to go back to that. It's a huge sort of huge portion that we're all dealing with right now is there is a way that you can actually um, reduce the amount of watering that's in there. So how to correct it? How do you, how can you fix this if you're always in a repeated area, especially for items that you've just planted that's on it? Is it causing your plants to be stunted a little bit? So if that's the case, try and take your garden trowel and make a little bit of a trough around the areas that you've planted so that if we do get that extra water, we're creating this little pathway that the, the water path can take away from some of our uh, plants. So little things that can cause by... Uh, if you have too much, too little drainage that's in there, you want to try and create a movement of water away from the areas that are on there. Yeah. Okay. Try and get rid of the excess moisture that's in standing water. And that, that may be influenced by the type of soils that you have. Brandon area, very quick draining. Sandy soil. My brother's out there and he says as much as he waters, it's gone in an instant. And a little bit of uh, problematic areas that you can get with too much, too plant, too many plants standing in too much water. Is you'll get brown uh, browning, you'll get yellow leaves. That's a huge indicator. Now you're going to say I get yellow leaves when I'm underwatering as well as overwatering. Yes, that's true. All right, but if you're getting yellow leaves and your your soil's always wet, that's probably the cause of it. And we want to prevent this so that we can delay or prevent that root decay that's going to cause a demise to our plants. So maybe adaptation, creating it. If you have a newly planted tree or shrub, definitely get a trough ring around that and pipe move, uh, move some of that moisture away from your trees if they're thinking that they're a little bit on there. And if you're planting a new tree or shrub this year, maybe if we continue on this site where we're going to have some moisture that's given to us, Maybe planting it up on a little bit of a, something like a baseball pitcher's mound. Raise it slightly up, slightly up, so it has that little raised edge. Because as a plant matures and as it develops, I find that it naturally sinks and settles. It's like, you know, you buy a new house and now after a couple years you're nicely settled in. Everything is looking good. Trees and perennials do that too as well. So it's almost like that self-settling all right so let's increase go out take a look at it if you have some areas that have too much moisture let's deal with that and your plants will love you for it we're going to go right back to lines mary is next hi mary hi how are you today i'm very well i forgot to ask judy where she was coming from and i want to ask you where are you calling from i'm calling from new boswell new oh i oh i like your cheese out there that's very good (laughs) cheese out there I'm kind of addicted to it. <laughs> oh, I know. I, I have to, like, squeaky cheese? Oh, gosh, you you got me right there. That's a happy, happy thought right there. <laughs> How can we help you today on the Lawn and Garden Journal? Um, I was wondering if there is a way to increase the budding of tomatoes. Increase the budding? Yeah. Um, okay, you could probably enhance that by uh, possibly doing a little bit more fertilizing that's on there. Uh, it, the, I find that the budding aspect of it probably is more in tune to 
the variety that you're choosing too as well. Some okay. of them are a little bit, yeah, some of them are a little bit more heavier producers than others, you know, just that's in there. But um, having a good, healthy plant in the first place is going to help you with set, with bud set that's on it. But it, I truly believe sometimes too, it is the variety that's in there that's going to make it a really strong producer. Like, what okay. do you have a do you have a variety of tomatoes? I have beef steak. Yep. And I, um, I only bought one of the already um, grown almost. Yeah. <laughs> tomato tomato plants, and it's it's got precious few little buds on it though, and. So I was wondering if, because it's so wet lately, like normally I would fertilize something with liquid fertilizer, which is what I have on hand. So how do you do that when the ground's already wet? You don't want to add more moisture to it. Okay. Well, you know what? I actually, that was part of the conversation that um, we were going to try and get you is because when we know we want to feed and we always say that the liquid stuff is absorbed faster but this is where i think we should be encouraging the granular feed right now the caliber the the ratio of your npk which is when you go to the garden center you'll see like they always have a recipe of three numbers across the packaging yeah this is this is your npk ratio and what you want to do is if we can get our granular fertilizers in the soil and they are sta- still in that stage of um, active dampness, this is going to leach into the plant at that point where we're not ha- actually having to put more moisture in the ground in combination mixing it, but the pelleted fertilizer will be activated with the moisture that's already existing. Okay? Okay. Yeah, so if you can grab, um, visit your garden center and look for some granular feed. Like um, I know here, um, it was part of the ones that I was going to encourage because I know I have a couple shrubs right now that I have that are in a little bit low, lower lying and they're looking a little yellow for me. And I'm thinking, you're too yellow at this time of season, so I want to give you some little beef up. Is um, if you, I know that we carry a home and garden excellence and it's a ratio of. Uh, 1848 if I remember right and it's higher in the nitrogen which is going to help you with that greenery aspect that's on there and it's good for evergreens also good for trees and shrubs but honestly if we can get some granular feed in there it's going to give it the boost and in essence too we've our trees and our shrubs I'm not you know I'm not to say that we can't care about the tomato because we want everything is granular feed also for um, your hanging baskets and also for your uh, food, like your growing crops, get some granular feed in there because it's going to be beneficial for it. Okay? All right. Yeah. So use your granular and, um, you know, even at some points, if we get some plants that are a little bit yellowing, uh, the moisture, we have to sort of understand that sometimes high moisture content uh, can cause plants to not flower as much so hence if you're getting too much moisture the active respiration for growing is now starting to be stunted right so they're going to stay stagnant they're not going to want to grow as much and if they're not growing you're not getting that side branching for fruiting 
where your flower to produce to fruit. And we may see that also in some annual plants where if you're too moist, it stays stagnant until air can get to the roots that can produce um, the energy for it to produce more top branching. And if you get more top branching, more flowers, more blossoms, more fruit, and then the cycle will continue again. Okay? Okay. I hope I answered your question. Yes, thank you. Okay, all right. You're welcome. Thank you for calling. And if you're looking for some heavy producers that are out there, um, in the olden, I'm going back to the olden days again. Good. Uh, celebrity, <laughs> I always found that Celebrity Tomatoes really was a really good producer. Uh, there's oh. one out there that I absolutely love. It's Cherokee Purple. It's like, it almost looks like greeny purple on the outside, and you don't think it's even ma- mature, but when you open it up, it is this deep wine red. And uh, it's a very good one. And if you want okay. something, yeah, so try those ones, okay? Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Have a good day. Yeah, you have a great day too. So there's like strong, heavy producers. And it's one of those things too, if you want to get one that is um, uh, for kids to grow to that's on there, try yellow pear. Yellow pear. It looks like this baby little yellow pear that's on there, and children will love it. All right? Pair it up with uh, a little bit of uh, baby grape tomatoes. Uh, and right now, it, it makes me think of making salad tonight, where if you could do little tomatoes and, and just crumble some feta cheese with some oil and vinegar on top of it, that's a salad right there by itself. Oh, we're getting hungry. All right. We're going to go right back to the lines. We have Gwen on the line. Hi, Gwen. Hi. Hi. Where are you calling from? Plumas with the hail area. Oh. What is the um, comeback for garden vegetables? Everything from beets to lettuce, tomatoes, onions. Oh. My I'm onions s- were, oh, maybe a foot, foot and a half tall, and they're now three inches. They look like mush. Oh. Oh, okay. I'm I'm gonna send you a hug. I'm sorry you got that. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just I. Did you get that last night or was Not it last, last night? Night before last. Yeah, and uh, I know that in some areas they got hail that was the size of um, baby finger nail, and some people said they got size of a toonie. We, we got toonie hail. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. That's, Lots of it. <laughs> okay. Well. Um, that's a hard. I'm I'm truly sending you a hug right now because of all the work that people put into the gardens and then they get that. Um, the leaves were. We just remember that we're at the earlier stages of our gardens. Yeah. And as long as the main stems have not been snapped and cracked, there is potential that those plants will recover. Okay, so, like my tomatoes, the tops of them are taken off. The tops will be taken. Okay, so if the tops are taken off. As long as you have branches down below, because yeah. normally sometimes we will pinch plants back and they will just grow another more branches, side branches, and when you, yeah. you know, like maybe don't pinch out so many suckers, this, <laughs> the side suckers <laughs> on it this well, I year. I still have some that are in the four inch pots that I planted and <laughs> I, I haven't put them in the garden because I didn't need them all. But well, there's, there you go. You're going to be working today in the garden. You're going to put oh, those tomatoes in. And, it's uh, too wet. <laughs> I know. You know what? It is, it is wet. I was, I was hoping, uh, 
I'm kind of like the, you know, the shoemaker's son here. I, I, I'm probably the one that gets my garden in the very lace, la, la, very last. So I'm with you. Uh, you know what? If it stays away, I'll be thinking about you as I dig in some of my stuff this afternoon or <laughs> <Okay>. later tonight. <laughs> but Alrighty, there, thank there, you. Yeah, there is hope for you. So okay, just thanks. Per- persevere and they will grow. Okay. okay. Thank you. You're Bye-bye. very welcome. You're very welcome. You know, we stay strong together with our gardening, even though there are some um, some detriments and some challenges that we take. Gardeners have that strength, and I see that in all the gardeners. Thank you, everyone, for calling in and listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. Uh, this afternoon, if I'm out there, I will do a little sun dance for you and hope that the rain stays away. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll be back next week on the Lawn and Garden Journal. Bye-bye, everyone.